0: Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 4. Mia Moore awoke to the distinct smell of him. She recognized it instantly. It was ingrained in her memory. She knew a scent. She knew him. And as she realized she was in his clutches, it all began to make sense. He was the only person in the world who could catch her slipping. He had taught her the game, and the student never surpassed the teacher. Murder. He was her first love, but love was a tricky emotion. When handled correctly, it was a beautiful thing. But where it matters of the heart was concerned, it could quickly spiral out of control. Murder's love for her had become an obsession. She didn't know if he loved her or if he just wanted to say that she belonged to him. Between them, things were always so complicated. It was a constant cycle of cat and mouse, and once again, he had caught up to her. Her head was cloudy. She had been chloroformed, and it would take some time to shake the haze that incapacitated her. She wasn't at her best. She couldn't fight him. Not now. And if she was being honest with herself, not ever. He was better than her at killing. Probably the only person whose heart was colder than hers since Mecca Diamond. She sat up, weakly, hanging her head as she leaned against the headboard of the bed. Her movements were limited, and she gritted her teeth as she yanked at the handcuffs that bound one of her wrists to the bed frame. I thought I killed you, she said maliciously as she leaned against the headboard in defeat. I thought you did too, Murder replied as he puffed on a cush filled blunt. You did a nigger cold me or more, he continued as he moved from the chair across the room to the bed. He sat directly next to her and stroked her hair. You look like you need this more than I do. He held the blunt up to her mouth, and Moore closed her eyes as she took it between her lips. She inhaled and then blew it out slowly. What have you done, murder? She asked as a tear rolled down her face. Do you know what the fuck you've done? Her voice raised to a holler as she stared at him in rage. I saved your fucking life, Miamor. That's what I did. I'm always choose you. That pussy ass nigga Carter was just gonna hand you over if I didn't step in, Murder shouted. There is no saving me, Murder. When will you get that through your fucking obsessed head? I don't need saving, she screamed. She broke into sobs as she thought of the repercussions of Murder's interference. Her thoughts of his interference wrecked her. I killed the daughter of a very powerful man. I'm a dead woman walking regardless. He took our son, Murder. He was going to give him back if I gave myself up. He was going to give him back. She tilted her head back, hitting it against the wood as she cried. All you had to do was let me do that. He's dead thanks to you. They're going to kill my baby. She whispered the last words, not wanting to hear him. I didn't know, Miamor. The nigga fly didn't say anything about a kid, murder stated. Miamor sniffled as she stared at him in disbelief. The narrow slits of her eyes were like daggers as anger pulsed through her. Fly Boogie? He was a part of this? He's working with you? She asked. She had trusted Fly. She had leaned on him for support and friendship. Why? Why can't you ever just let me go, Murder? Because you're mine, he replied. You might not remember how much we mean to each other. Carter might have you blinded by this cartel bullshit, but I remember, Mia. Mia. He leaned his face into hers as he tried to kiss her, but she turned her face defiantly. I don't remember, she whispered as her lip trembled at the thought of her child. You remember, he insisted as he kissed her cheek sensually, then her ear, then her neck. He was intoxicated by her scent, and she cringed at his touch. You remember me busting that pussy open? You remember me putting my tongue on it? I can still hear you calling my name, Miamore, begging me for it. I know you ain't forget that. You said it was mine. I got locked up and left you out here to survive on your own. I know you're pissed about that. You latched onto another nigga so these streets didn't eat you alive. I get it, but it's time we got back to what we used to be. Before you switched up, he pulled back and mushed her head hard. You hear me? I don't remember them ever being intimate. Honestly, I don't. Not once. They kissed. In front of the car after a party. But I don't remember them having sex. I I don't know. I know that. uh, She wasn't trying to do anything. Because she knew that. He and Anissa had a relationship. And then she was like. I feel a certain way even though I shouldn't. And blah blah blah. But I don't remember them ever being intimate. Mia Moore gritted her teeth. To stop herself from getting slick at the mouth. She didn't know what murder was capable of. Not anymore. Not anymore. The last time they had faced off, she was pregnant and defenseless. She had seen a side of him that was so psychotic, she knew he wasn't above killing her. He would rather see her buried six feet deep than back in Carter's arms. She'd have to play this carefully. A knock at the door caused murder to rise up off the bed, and she sighed in relief. She didn't fear murder. She didn't fear anyone. But she did fear for the fate of her son. He was just a kid. He wasn't supposed to pay for her sins. Fly Boogie's going to end up killing Murder. And then Carter's going to end up killing Fly Boogie. Murder snatched open the door to the bedroom and Fly Boogie walked inside. In his hands, he carried brown paper bags of food. He looked at Mia Moore. She looked away. Mia Moore, he said. Mia Moore didn't respond. Confusion plagued her as a million things ran through her mind. What is he doing here? How does he know Murder, she thought. Did I tell you to talk to her? Murder asked. Don't ever step, young. It was a subtle warning. What, nigga? Fly Boogie asked, challenging him. Me and Moore realized Fly Boogie was in over his head. He had no idea what a man like Murder was capable of. She needed him to tread lightly, so she spoke up. Baraka has CJ, she told him. The longer I'm here, the worse things will get. He's probably killing him right now. Fly Boogie cleared his throat as he looked at her sympathetically. You've been out for a couple of days, Mia Moore. It's too late, Ma. could killed Lena and the kids, Fly informed her. The memorial is today. It was like she had been slapped in the face by his words. They stunned her as her heart immediately felt hollow. It was like all the love that she had collected in her life had drained out of her at that moment. It hurt. Like nothing she had ever felt before, her soul burned like the fires of hell were scorching her. No, she said as she shook her head in denial. No, she screamed. He's my blood, my only son. You have to let me go. I can't be here. She spoke passionately, pleadingly, desperately as she pulled at the handcuff. No! She sounded wounded, as if she were being tortured slowly. What they didn't know was that this was her worst fear. This was a nightmare. Neither man had ever seen her so distraught. Murder rushed over to her side. more stop, he said. She was pulling at the handcuffs with such force that he thought she would break her wrists. The entire bed shook as she lost control. I'm gonna fucking murder this motherfucker, she shouted. She snapped. Like a shark out for blood, her instincts clicked on. Get these fucking handcuffs off me, she sneered. Her resolve was so strong that he could see the malice in her stare. This isn't about Carter murder. This ain't about me and you. It's about my seed. If you keep me here, I will never forgive you. I will never love you. I will never see you the same again. You won't want me because you won't be able to trust me. You won't be able to close your eyes around me. I swear to God, I will kill you if you keep me here. My son's funeral is today. I have to be there. I have to see him. His mother has to be there, she pleaded. Look what they did to you, Mia. Look how vulnerable they made you. You wouldn't be like this if you had stayed with me. I would have protected you, murder stated. I know, she cried. I know. I remember. I remember you as the man who would do anything for me. So be that guy right now. Do this. Against his better judgment, he dug in his pocket to retrieve the key to the cuffs. He released her and then gripped her face tightly. Don't play me, more You know what happens when I have to come find you. You do what you have to do with your kid, but you know where home is. Don't make me come snatch your pretty ass out of that casino. She nodded and scrambled from the bed before he changed his mind. Take her back, Murder said to Fly Boogie. And my money? He asked. I'll get your money, nigga. You think she's in any state to get to the casino account right now? I'm going to pay you. For now, make sure she comes back, Murder insisted. Mia and, and Fly Boogie walked in silence out of the hotel suite. It wasn't until they were in the elevator that Mia spoke. What did you do? She shouted as she pushed him hard in the chest. She was livid, and although she was the more deadly of the two when she was armed, unstrapped, she had no winds against his strength. He pinned her against the wall, pressing the weight of his body against hers. Calm down, Ma, he said as he stopped the elevator. How could you work with him? How do you even know him? How could you do this? She cried. She was hysterical at the thought of her child. How had he died? Had Baraka been cruel? Had he tortured her son the way she had tortured Yasmin? This is all my fault. My baby boy. No! She said, coming undone as her knees buckled. He needed me. Shh! Fly buggy sued her as he held her up. Steadying her while placing his forehead against hers, look at me, Mi'amore. I can't. I just can't. Her heart ached so badly. I didn't know. I didn't know about the kidnapping. I had love for Lena and for your son, for money, son too. You know I wouldn't have made that type of move if I'd known what was up. But giving yourself up was the wrong play, Ma. Men like Baraka don't hand out pardons. He lost his daughter. Your blood ain't enough. He wants Carter to feel the loss of his legacy. He would have killed your son whether he had you or not. I wasn't about to sit on the sidelines and let anything happen to you. It ain't in me, Fly Boogie said. His face was so close to hers that when she spoke, their lips touch. Why are you here with murder, Miyamura asked. Shit is complicated, Fly Boogie said. Uncomplicated, she shot back. Fly Boogie swept the hand over his face. I met Murder years ago in Miami. He paid me to infiltrate the cartel, he admitted. He left out the part about knocking off Carter. I got sucked in. I got close to Carter, and then Carter went away, and I got close to you. I left Miami, and I said, fuck Murder. I didn't look back. He showed up here a few days ago, so I helped him snatch you. This nigga didn't even know Carter. Carter knew nothing about this nigga. He was with Zaire. He was one of Zaire's young niggas because Carter had left the game. Also, I'm not pleased about this. I'm pretty certain that they're lying about the kids being dead because they're not giving them any love as far as how they died. But at the same time, they didn't give Lena nothing. Like They just were like, we're done with her story. We have nothing more to say about her. We're just going to X her out the game. I guess you should have went with Odom. I mean, shit. Mia me Moore shook her head in disgust. So, all this time, you were just his bitch? You were his spy? His flunky? Report my every move to him? What was the end game? Huh, Fly? Were you gonna kill me? Or was bring me back to him the plan the entire time? She asked. Hell no, I wasn't gonna kill you, Ma. Fly Boogie defended himself. I wanted you for myself. I started feeling you. You know that. The shit between me and you got heavy. I would have never... Yeah, whatever, she said, cutting him off. I just need to go back. I need Carter, she whispered. <laughs> it always goes back to him, Fly Boogie scoffed as he stepped back. You literally have niggas waiting in line for you, ma. Niggas that'll go to war for you, and you keep crawling back to the one who fucked you over. You're worth more than that, but whatever, ma. It's your world. He stepped back, giving her space, and smashed his finger into the elevator button to allow them to descend. In her heart, she knew it was too late to save her son, but until she heard the words fall off Carter's lips, she would hold on to the little hope she had left. God, please just give me a miracle. Please let Baraka spare my baby, she thought. As the fly boogie could read her mind, he said, Your son is gone, Miamor. I'm not saying that to hurt you. I just want you to be prepared for what you're going back to. I don't want anyone else to see your breakdown. So process it now. Feel it now so that when you walk into the church, they won't witness you fall apart. You're a queen, ma. Can't let that crown fall. The cemetery was peaceful on that day. The birds chirped. And a faint breeze blew over them as Carter, Monroe, Breeds, and Zaire gathered in front of Lena's solid gold casket. Three framed pictures sat behind it. Carter couldn't even bring himself to look at them. Lena's smiling face along with CJ's and Mo's were lined up next to one another. Only Lena's body had been discovered. Baraka had never had the courtesy of burying his daughter, so he didn't extend the courtesy to Carter and Monroe. They were forced to memorialize their children instead. Carter kept hoping this was a nightmare that he would eventually wake up from. The finality of his reality was too much to deal with. His son was gone. His nephew, gone. Lena, gone. Their deaths marked a change in him. He was gone. His soul was so damaged that it felt as if he would never be the same again. The cadence of his heartbeat changed. Everything hurt. Even the thoughts that ran through his mind caused him unbelievable pain. He just wanted it all to end. Carter had been living wrong. He had thrived on power, on money, on prestige. I guess that's respect. I'm guessing. I'm going to give him that. What he wouldn't give to be a regular Joe at that moment. Regular Joes didn't usually bury their kids. They lived a comfortable, routine day-to-day life without even realizing how lucky they were. Carter's kingpin lifestyle had brought him riches, but the things he had lost in that pursuit were priceless. This was a blow that he would never recover from. The sound of an approaching vehicle caused everyone to turn their heads in this direction. It was a private service. No one knew they were there. Not even Lena's parents had accepted their invitation to attend. They had written her off long ago when she had chosen that lifestyle. What fuck is she doing here? Monroe asked as he saw Mia Moore roll down the passenger window. Money, Breeze whispered. Please, not today. Mia Moore wasn't ready for this. I can't breathe, she whispered as her chest tightened. She sat in the passenger seat of Fly Boogie's F-150 as she watched a small ceremony take place in the middle of the cemetery. It was intimate, only family attended, but she still felt unwelcome. She was on the outside looking in. Her guilt had ostracized her. I mean, it should. This is literally all your fault, but it's also Carter's fault for cheating. So, ugh. You can go, fly. She whispered as she reached for the door handle. I ain't going anywhere. I'll be right here, he replied as he watched her exit the vehicle. Nigga, you should probably go. Your life is truly in danger in a million different ways. She walked across the grass, closing the distance between her and the people she had once called family. She halted a few yards away. Pictures of the children had been enlarged and framed. Lena's casket was the only one present. Tears accumulated in Mia Moore's eyes. Breeze was the first one to react. She watched as Breeze knelt down a whisper in Carter's ear. He looked up at her, and when their eyes met, she knew. It was true. Their prince was gone. Monroe could no longer contain his anger as he stormed over to her. Give me one reason why I shouldn't put a bullet between your eyes, Monroe said as he snatched Millmore by her neck, flinging her against the oak tree as if she were weightless. She wasn't afraid to die. She didn't even flinch as she stared at Monroe. Shoot me, Money. Just do it, she whispered to him. She was broken. Nothing he could do to her could be worse than what she had already felt. Money, Carter barked, but there wasn't much he could do. He sat confined by the wheelchair. He will never move the same way again, let alone run to a rescue. Monroe, he called. Zaire walked up behind Monroe. This won't solve anything, bro, he said. That's my life in that box over there, Monroe shouted as he pressed his gun point blank against me and Morris head. My wife and now my son is dead because of you. He was a little boy and he was taken from me because of you. She could practically see fire dancing in his eyes. He was so heated. She didn't blame him, and she would deserve her fate if he chose to pull the trigger. She would have if she were the one holding the gun. She knows money, Zaire stated, his tone mellow. The last thing he wanted to do was incite Monroe. We all know. We don't need more bloodshed. We all feel this hurt. Monroe pulled back the hammer of his gun and gripped the trigger. He wanted so bad to end her. Staring into her eyes, he saw nothing. It was as if she were gone. Mentally, she had been depleted. Emotionally, she was damaged for life. It was as if she was already dead. Guilter pushed her to the point of no return. Someone had to be held accountable for this. The lives of her babies had been taken. Her dear friend Lena had been taken. She deserved to die at the hands of Monroe. She silently wished that he would just pull the trigger because death would be easier than carrying the grief of this around for the rest of her life. I don't blame you. This is my fault. Just do it. Do it, money. Do it! She screamed. She saw how bad he wanted to. In his rage, he was a spitting image of Mecca. If she didn't know any better, she would have sworn that Mecca was the one threatening her life. Goosebumps formed on the back of her neck. And despite the Nevada heat, she shivered. Breeze finally managed to roll Carter's wheelchair through the grass over to the heated scene. Take a walk, Monroe, Carter stated. He might have been out of commission, but the tone of his voice was strong and it was clear. He wouldn't stand by and allow anyone to gun her down. Not right in front of her. After all this, you still defending this bitch? Monroe said through gritted teeth. His nostrils flared as he lowered his gun and stormed off, completely livid. Breeze rushed after him as Zaire lingered. You alright? Zaire asked. Yeah. Give me a minute, Zai." Carter replied, conflicted. Carter looked up at me and more. He was a shell of the man she was used to seeing. She could see that he hadn't slept. His red-rimmed eyes and the bags beneath his lids gave way as restless nights. He seemed to have aged overnight. The burden of a dead child weighed on him heavily. The bullets in his chest had penetrated so deep the one had nicked his spine, rendering him to a wheelchair temporarily. It would take months of healing before he could walk without pain, but he could deal with that. It was the inner battle he was fighting that made life feel unbearable. You played this shit all wrong, Moore," he said. He could barely look at her. You drugged me and tried to handle this by yourself, and you got our son killed. I planned to turn myself in. He was our son, Mia Moore! Carter yelled, interrupting her. His voice held so much judgment, so much contempt. He held up his hands and looked at them with tear filled eyes. All I see is blood on my hands. I thought I wouldn't be able to choose between you and CJ, but we both understood what had to happen. I knew you were selfish. But I never thought you would put yourself over our son. I didn't, she shot back. I would trade my life for his in a heartbeat, Carter. You have to believe me. You must know me better than that by now. I loved our son. I wouldn't have fucked up the exchange. I was taken. It was murder. He's alive and he... Zaire walked back up as Carter interrupted her. I'm done, Moore. My son... Was the most innocent person I've ever met. His soul was pure. And he was killed because of something you did. I can't say it's all on you. I played my part. I chose this life. I chose you. I knew what type of person you were and I still tested your gangster. I cheated. You retaliated the only way you know how. With murder. With torture. We both caused this. But it's over now. Baraka has placed a million dollar bounty on your head, he said. I'd advise you to go far away from here. I can't live without you, Carter. You're all I have left, she whispered. Tears clung to her thick eyelashes, threatening a downpour of emotion. I'm done with you. Done with all this shit. There is no us. There is no cartel. Y'all can have this shit. All of it. I'm out. Zaire gripped the handle of the wheelchair and looked at Mia more sympathetically as she fell to her knees. She placed a hand over her heart just to make sure it was still there, still beating. It felt like he had ripped it right out of her chest. She wanted to say that she was the type of queen fly Boogie spoke of, but she wasn't. And as she watched Carter being wheeled away, she broke down. Her pride wouldn't let her beg him to stay. Why the fuck not? What is going on with these two? Like your pride got your son killed. Honestly, Carter, your pride got your son killed because you didn't want to tell me what was going on. You're fearing your pride. Her pride is keeping you from knowing the fly boogie's literally right there and can co-sign everything she's saying before you get to murder this nigga. The further he got from her, the more it hurt. She leaned her back against a tree and pulled her knees into her chest. She cried her eyes out. Carter didn't want her. Her son had paid the ultimate price for her actions. She had nowhere to go but right back where she had come from. Right back where she had spent years trying to escape. Murder had been right all along. He would always represent home to her. He was the only one who would put up with her treacherous ways because he had taught them to her. She heard sticks breaking under the weight of approaching footsteps. She knew it was Fly Boogie. He wanted to be her knight in shining armor. He was determined to rescue the damsel in distress. What he didn't know was that she was a wicked witch in this story. Everything she touched seemed to rot. If he wasn't careful, she would curse him too. Let's go, Ma, he said as he knelt down in front of her. There's nothing left for you here. She stood up. Take me back to murder, she said in a tone so low that he almost didn't catch it. Why would you want to go back to that nigga? What's so bad about staying with me? I'm not Carter. My pockets aren't as heavy as his. I know I can't compete with what y'all got, but murder? Fly Boogie stated. I don't want to hurt you, Fly Boogie. I like you. You're loyal. You're handsome. You have heart, but you're young. You need a nice, fresh chick. Someone like Breeze. You don't want me. You just like what I represent. Why murder? Fly Boogie pressed, perplexed. Because he'll kill anyone who tries to lay a hand on me, and I need protection. Baraka has money on my head, she revealed. How much did murder promise you to play this game? To get inside the cartel? To get close to me, she asked. He shifted uncomfortably. It stopped being about the bread a long time ago, he replied. How much, she insisted. Fifty bands, he replied. I'll wire the money to an account for you. I want you to leave Vegas. Murder was never going to pay you. Once he was done and you were of no use to him, he would have killed you. I'm not leaving Vegas without you, ma, Fly Boogie said. Fly, you're not hearing me. Get lost. I'm trying to spare your feelings, little nigga. You never had a chance with me. I like big boys, Miamore said. Her words were so abrasive that she cringed on the inside. But she had to make a point. She had to bruise his ego, wound his pride so that he would finally turn his back on her. She didn't want anyone else around her to die. He nodded his head defensively as his mug twisted into a scowl. Yeah, I ate me more, he said, feeling burned. He swaggered off in the direction of his truck, and she backpedaled in the opposite direction. Their goodbye was a silent one as she lowered her head and made her way back to the hotel. Back to murder. Two weeks later, the musty mixture of rotting food, Body odor and alcohol filled the hotel room. It bitch-smacked murder as soon as he entered. His lip curled in disgust as he spotted Mia Moore's silhouette across the dark room. She was still lying there, in the same spot that she had been in for two weeks. Nah, nah, you can't keep doing this, baby girl. You gotta get up, more Snap out of it, he said as he made his way across the room. He snatched open the curtains, allowing light to flood the space, revealing an ugly sight. Moore's hair was matted and nappy. Her clothes were dirty. She reeked, and her eyes were bloodshot. All she did was cry. He had witnessed death many times and had never seen grief in this form. Moore's pain was raw. She didn't care about anything, not even herself. And the razor scars on her thighs were proof of that. Blood dripped out of the open wounds, and murder sauntered to her side. He looked at her as she still gripped the razor in her hand. She was holding it so tightly that it was cutting her fingertips. The fuck is wrong with you? He asked her, exasperated. He was at a loss. He didn't know what to do. This woman before him was a shell of the woman he once knew. She was weak. Her normal fire had been snuffed out the moment she found out her son's fate. He snatched her wrist and applied pressure to it, causing her to drop the razor. Why are you doing this to yourself? The fuck is this going to solve? He asked. Her eyes were spaced out as she stared past him. She was in a daze as she responded. It's the only way to let the pain out. She tilted her head back as she closed her eyes. Just let it all bleed out, she whispered. Without warning, murder slapped fire from her. Snapping her out of her funk and feeling her with rage. You want to feel something? Feel that! He chastised her as she lunged at him. Fuck you! Fuck you! She screamed as she beat his chest. He hemmed her up as she struggled to swing on him. But he overpowered her, restricting her movements as if she were in a straitjacket. Snap the fuck out of this shit, Moore. I know you lost your kid, but how many kids have you left motherless? Or fatherless? How many of them little motherfuckers have you bodied? She killed over, bawling, as the harsh reality of karma slapped her in the face. It was a far mightier blow than the one murder had served. Murder had fought so hard to get to her. She had damn near killed him back in Miami when he tried to take her away from the cartel the first time. Still, he pursued her. He wanted her. He had to have her and now that he got her, time had changed her. She wore her grief like a heavy cloak. It weighed her down. There was no life behind her vacant stare. Her teary eyes were filled with nothingness and it was hard to stomach. He felt like he was babysitting. Where was his ride or die? A nigga ain't beat for this shit, he thought. His heart beat intensely. He was overwhelmed by anger and disappointment. This wasn't how it was supposed to be when they reunited. The sulking, the depression, the insanity. He couldn't understand her logic. Sure, he sympathized, but he was ready to get back to reality. Mia Moore was stuck in her grief. She was frozen. I need my murder mama back, he said as he bent down to help her stand. That's who you are, Mia Moore. He motioned to her, waving his hand up and down her body. This? This chick ain't you. Bring my murder mama back. Murking something always made you feel better. Miamora looked him in the eyes and blinked slowly. It took so much effort to do everything. All she really wanted to do was sleep. If she could sleep forever, she would be happy. In her dreams was the only place she could see her son. You would do anything for me, wouldn't you? She asked. A little patience crept into Murder's heart as he replied, You know that. Just tell me what you need. I need you to let me go, she said. In one swift movement, me and Moore pulled Murder's gun from his waistline. He chuckled as she pointed it at him. It was instincts like that, her murderous nature, her quick draw, that turned him on. It was over gunplay that they had connected, and over gunplay that they will reconnect. He was sure of it. That shit is in your blood, Ma. I love this shit. This is the bitch I know. But I know you well enough to know that you're not going to curl that trigger on me, Murder said. His hands were at his sides. He was relaxed and unmoved by her theatrics. He knew when me and Moore was out for blood. And now was not one of those times. No, I'm not. Not on you, she said. His eyes bulged in horror as she turned the gun on herself and without pausing to think twice, click. She didn't even flinch at the gunshot that should have ended her life. Instead, disappointment filled her face as she realized the murderer entered the chamber and popped out the clip upon entering the room. She had been ready to end it all, but the unloaded pistol only revealed how deeply her psychosis had settled in. No, no, no! Click, click, click. Why the fuck did his eyes bulge in terror if he knew that the gun was fucking empty? What, well, what? Was there an invisible bullet in there? What was he scared of? She pulled the trigger over and over again, aiming at her temple, wishing that she would just die already, until finally murder rushed her. Get your ass in here, he screamed to her as he dragged her across the room, kicking and screaming. Have you lost your fucking mind? Do you know what you would have done had that shit been loaded, Ma? You can't take that back. You can't undo suicide. Once it's over, it's over. Just leave me the fuck alone. Just go. I don't want to be here. Don't you get that? It hurts. Unlike anything I've ever felt, it hurts, she shouted, snot and tears mixing on her face as he manhandled her. He gripped her shoulders and shook her hard, hoping to shake some sense into her. I can't trust you. You're not thinking straight. I know it will clear your mind, he whispered more to himself than to her. He flung open the closet door and pushed her inside and then barricaded the door so she couldn't get out. He heaved in exhaustion as he rested his forehead against the door. Hold tight, Moore. I'll be back. I know something that'll help you get through this. I just need you to stay still. You can't hurt yourself in there. I'm sorry, Murder whispered, winded from their struggle. Crazy bitch. Murder grabbed his gun and snatched his keys off the table as he stormed out. He was determined to get Mia Moore back. He had her physically in his clutches, but he needed her mentally to be strong. He needed her, and he knew just the type of therapy to get her to come back to him. Murder sat in the smoke-filled bar, shoulders hunched, a beer gripped between his hands as the thoughts of Mia Moore cluttered his brain. He turned in his chair as the loud music blared throughout the hole in the wall. Drunken frat boys and college girls made up the crowd. He turned his barstool and faced the dance floor as his eyes scanned the room until he set his eyes on a pretty young girl. Her caramel skin, bare mid and short pixie cut appealed to him. She was what he needed. She was a perfect distraction, and he nodded his head, greeting her as he lifted his beer bottle to his lips. She flashed a pretty smile before walking over to him. You don't look like the college boy type, the girl said. He wasn't thirsty. He simply turned back towards the bar when she sat in the seat next to him. He wasn't with kicking game, not for what he intended. It wasn't necessary. I'm Alicia, she introduced herself. There was curiosity in her eyes. She was young and reckless. The thought of a new adventure with this obvious bad boy was an exciting notion. In a room full of clean-cut college boys, his grown man swagger stuck out like a sore thumb. He was just the type of guy she wanted to take home for the night. There was something about those bad boys that made a good girl swoon. Murder motioned for the bartender. Scotch. Neat. And whatever she's drinking, he said. She smiled. So do you have a name? She asked. You're drunk, Murder observed. You're standing there with your ass hanging off the bottom of your shorts, your titties on display, your shirt half ripped, and cheap six-inch heels on. I'm a hood nigga with a big dick and loaded pockets. He paused as the bartender delivered both drinks. Does my name really matter? Are you ready to get up out of here? He was crass, direct, a bit rude, but she loved it. The girl took her drink and tossed it back before replying. You got a room? Murder left the $50 bill on the bar and walked out. He didn't look back because he knew the college girl would be right behind him. She smirked, feeling herself as she took a deep breath. She looked back at her friends, who were preoccupied on the dance floor. She thought about telling them she was leaving, thought about telling them who she was leaving with, but instead she hustled out of the bar. I'll catch up with them later. She walked out the door and looked left, then right, as her heart raced in anxiety. You ready? asked. Starling as he leaned against the side of the building, hidden in the shadows as he blew smoke from a cigarette. She turned around, smiling, as she walked up on him. He pulled her in, gripping her firm behind as he pressed his manhood against her. The thought of the night to come had him ready. feels like you're more ready than I am. She flirted. He flicked a cigarette and then grabbed her hand. Let's get out of here. He led her to his car, which was parked down the block in the darkened alley, and then opened the door for her. You don't see any of the red flags here, huh? You don't know his name. You didn't tell any of your friends where you were going. He's parked in a dark alley. He leaves out without you and then hides in the corner in the darkness. His car's in a dark alley in the darkness. You don't see none of the red flags. Okay. She eased into the car and then he ran around the front to enter from his side. As soon as he sat down, she grabbed him, caressing the print that had formed in his pants. He sat back as he pulled out in the traffic and then with one hand on the wheel and one hand behind her neck, he guided her mouth down onto him. Show me what you got, little mama. Who knows? If you do it good enough, I may just have a reason to keep you around, he said. Mora stopped fighting. She had stopped banging, stopped screaming. There was no point. No one was coming to her rescue. She wasn't getting out of the closet until murder felt like letting her out. So she sat, stoically recounting all the ways she had caused her current circumstance. It had been her hot head her inability to rationalize her anger without the help of her gun, and her quick trigger that had brought her here. She knew Carter hated her. Hell, she hated herself. He was the only person who could heal her heart, and he wanted nothing to do with her. So instead, she accepted murder as a consolation prize. She didn't love him, but he loved her, and because of that, she would be protected. She heard the door to the suite open, and she waited until the closet door was pulled open. She was curled up against the wall, knees to her chest as she looked up at him. Get up, Murder said. Mia more reluctantly climbed to her feet and ambled out of the tiny space. Murder tossed some clothes at her roughly. Put these on. I got something to make you feel better, he stated. There was no compassion in his tone, only annoyance. He was determined to snap her out of this depression. There was nothing attractive about her current state, and the longer she dwelled in it, the more he could feel himself pulling away. Mia Moore sneered at him as she stepped into the jeans and shrugged on the jacket. Her hair was a mess, her eyes swollen and red, but she didn't care. He shook his head as he grabbed her elbow and led her out of the room. Where are we going, she whispered. I can't be seen anywhere around town. You're going to get me killed. Shut up and walk, he said. He escorted her to the trunk of his car. I've got something for you, he said as he stood behind her. He kissed the nape of her neck and handed her the key. Open it. She rolled her eyes, but snatched the key and inserted it. She turned and lifted the trunk. When Mia Moore saw the young girl, gagged and bound in the trunk, her heart dropped. The terror shone in the girl's eyes. Mia Moore quickly closed the trunk and turned to murder. What the fuck is wrong with you, Mia Moore asked. What's wrong with you? Murder shot back. This is who you are, Mia. This is what we do, he spoke through gritted teeth, his frustration rearing its ugly head. This girl can't be older than 21, Murder. You don't know her. She hasn't done anything wrong to you. She hasn't crossed you, Moore reasoned. She's innocent. This isn't my game. What are you talking about, Ma? You gone soft. You know the rules. Anybody can get it, Moore said, finishing his sentence. I know the rules, Murder. I remember. I just can't be a part of it anymore. This shit right here, she stated, motioning to the trunk. This type of shit is the reason why my karma's so bad. This is the reason why I lost my son. Murder stood toe to toe with her as he pointed his finger in her face. No, that bitch nigga Carter's the reason why you lost your son. He was too pussy to protect his family. You chose him. You chose wrong, Murder said. Now, you want little mama in the car to die your way or my way? Either way, she gotta get it. She seen my face. Mia Moore wanted to leave the girl hanging. She wanted to tell Murder to kiss her ass and do what he had to do, but she couldn't. She knew the type of death he would deliver. He had a thing for inflicting pain. If he killed this girl, it would be slow, torturous. Murder had an itch to scratch. He wanted to wring Mia Moore's neck and she knew it. He wished he had the balls to body her, to punish her for choosing Carter over him. He had years of resentment built up towards her, but they both knew he wouldn't act on it. He couldn't hurt me or more even on her worst day. He wants to kill me. Instead, he's going to take it out on her, she thought grimly. There was a time that she wouldn't have cared. She was once a girl who didn't care who was on the other end of the barrel of her gun, but now it mattered. After all the strife, she had learned the ultimate lesson. Life has value. She had grown. Murder, please, she whispered. Just let her go. I'm not letting her go. The way she dies is up to you. By your hands or mine, he threatened. He thought he was giving her what she needed. He was trying to fulfill her bloodlust, but that craving, the craving to murder someone when she was upset, had passed. It had died with CJ. Still, murder had forced her hand. He knew the beast had retreated inside of her, and he was determined to unlock it. You're the devil, she stated in disgust. In the flesh, baby, he replied. He kissed her, forcing his tongue into her mouth as she pushed against him. Get off me, she shouted, infuriated at his arrogance. He chuckled, finding humor in her discomfort. He slid his hand into his waistline and came out with a 9 millimeter pistol. He screwed a silencer on the end. Her eyes burned holes through him as she stared in contempt. You might not want to put a gun in my hand right now. I just might shoot you with it, she said snidely. He handed it to her. We both know that's a lie, little mama, he said. I'm all you got. It was a sad truth that kept her linked to him. Mia Moore popped the trunk and looked at the girl. For the first time ever, Mia Moore was afraid to pull the trigger. Her soul was on the line. Tears accumulated in her eyes. Her emotions were unstable. Murdering this innocent girl was the furthest thing from her mind. Do it, Murder stated. He knew that Miamor was like a pit bull. Once she was back in the swing of things, she would go all out. He would have his old murder mama back. You do it, or I can. She pointed the gun into the trunk as the girl began to plead. The duct tape muffled her, but Miamor knew exactly what she was saying. She had heard it time and time again. Please don't kill me. Please just let me go. Miamor spoke the words in her mind. She had played executioner so many times she knew this script verbatim. All of her victims had always used the same line. Their last words were always the same. Even the hardest man had turned to putty when staring into the black hole of her gun. This was the only time she felt differently though. Her aim was steady, but her heart wavered, quivered, shook with uncertainty. I'm not doing this, she whispered. She turned to murder. I've had enough bloodshed. Enough is enough, murder. You want to know why I always chose Carter over you? Why I'm so pulled in by him? Because he's a good man. He has blood on his hands, but he never hurt anyone who didn't hurt him first. He isn't a monster. Murder took the gun from her hands, and without even moving his eyes from Mia Moore's, he fired into the trunk. The gun whispered five shots as he continuously pulled the trigger, ending the girl's life without remorse. Mia Moore didn't flinch. Death didn't scare her or move her. At this point, it disgusted her. Murder disgusted her. But his callousness is also what would protect her. He would body anyone who threatened her existence. I'm going back up to the room, she said. As she walked away, he shouted over to her. We're the same, Moore. I know you. I see you. You're the one hiding from yourself. If she weren't so afraid of Baraka and his goons, she would leave murder. But the heirs put a fear in her that she had never known existed. So as long as she had to put up with murder, she would. At least until she could figure out a plan B. This is dumb. This whole thing is dumb. This whole thing's because of a lack of communication on all sides. And it's dumb. And I'm sorry that those kids had to die. I'm sorry. That sucks. That girl didn't have to die. Those kids didn't have to die. This whole thing is stupid. This whole book. This whole book. The book before it was all about communication. 916-633-1537 Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Leave a review on Chaser. copy and paste that in the Good Pods, copy and paste that in the Apple Podcast. Uh, thank you to everybody who's checking us out on Good Pods and on Chaser. Uh, you can also leave a donation at patreon.com slash single simulcast or at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. Or on the Good Pods app, you can go to our tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. Peace.